welcome to the Multiply Your Success podcast, where each week we help growth-minded entrepreneurs and franchise leaders take the next step in their expansion journey. I'm your host, Tom Dufour, CEO of Big Sky Franchise Team. And as we open today, I'm wondering if you've ever thought about maybe volunteering at a local animal shelter in your community. Or how about doing so in Africa? Well, our guest today, Kim Troy, spent 10 years serving and learning life and leadership lessons while living in the African bush. Kim Troy is the founder and CEO of Civilis Consulting, a business advisory firm providing strategic sales, marketing, operations, and HR guidance to fast-growing businesses. And she's also held executive-level positions in HR, operations, and sales for some of the largest organizations and corporations in the world, including L Brands. So let's go ahead and jump right into our interview. My name is Kim Troy, and I am the CEO of Civilis Consulting. Great. Well, thank you again for joining us. And you bring a really unique expertise into into, uh, managing staff, company cultures, a, a wide variety of things that you you bring here. And one thing that stood out that, that I read is that you're an expert at building differentiated and sticky company yeah. cultures. Yeah. And so I like that word. I always like the word differentiated. And people are always saying, you know, how do you make it stick, right? So I'd love yeah. to start there. What, what does that mean? Would you mind sharing and talking a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So, you know, so the differentiated part um, really gets gets back to understanding what it is about your business that's unique. Um, and much like you would build a marketing plan and a positioning statement and things like that for attracting customers, nowadays, more than ever, we need to do the same thing to attract people. Um, so, you know, people are, uh, uh, potential employees are shopping around looking for, you know, their next great gig. And we need to do a much better job these days of positioning our companies as an attractive place to work. But it's not just smoke and mirrors. We have to really, truly be that differentiated um, company. So if, if our thing is the candy wall or the, you know, or that we're a hybrid, you know, work environment or that we're all about, you know, volunteering or supporting our community. If those are, you know, kind of woven into the things that we are as a company, um, certainly we need to use that as a competitive advantage, but we also need to, to make sure that if we're putting it out there, that that's actually who we are. So the, um, you know, the differentiated part is again, just kind of uh, being able to identify what it is that makes our companies special and different as a workplace. And the sticky part is being able to really live uh, live up to th- that promise. Whatever it is that we're saying it is that makes us special, we need to make sure that we can actually deliver on that once once our employee gets here. So um so that's I think that's really probably what I what I how I would explain what I mean when I say a differentiated and then that sticky culture. Um, stickiness is about retaining them. <laughs> Differentiated, I guess, is about attracting them. Yeah, well, that's a great, great summary. And one, one of the questions I, I was curious about, it, this kind of dovetails into one of the questions I had for us, which was talking about the, it just, it's a tight labor market. And it, it seems very often we're in a tight labor market. It's, you know, e- e- given the circumstance and so on that we're in. Uh, but how can 
people you, you woo top talent to come work for you or come join your team? What what are some things you're seeing out there? Yeah. So, you know, of course, there's there's the obvious things. There's sign-on bonuses and there are, you know, suites of, of benefits that companies are starting to offer, you know, corporate wellness programs or, um, you know, um, uh, different, you know, different kinds of um, benefits that maybe aren't part of the traditional, um, you know, kind of the traditional uh, suite that, that we're used to. So those are sort of the obvious things. And that's all great. And we really do need to examine that and think about, okay, how are we, how are we viewing our employees as entire people, as opposed to just employees or staff or, you know, or a number that we need to, you know, we need to reach. So we need to think about our employees as people, but we also need to, um, to think about what it is that they can get from us that they can't get from anywhere else that they may be, you know, that they may choose to work at. So those are the things that, um, we need to really examine, and those often get down to what our company's values are. Um, and again, I think that's, that that uh, I see this with my clients a lot. Is this is why they come to me um, because they have values, and they they might even have gone through an exercise to articulate those values, and they've got them painted on the wall, and they've you know they they've done some work to to articulate. Um, you know, this, this, this um, group of company values that we have. But what I often find is that um, when we really dig in and start to understand, okay, what do you mean by caring? That value that, you know, the uh, caring could mean something very different, different people. um, And we need to really do a much better job of articulating the behaviors that, um, that identify that value or the behaviors that, um, that embody that value. And that's where I find that um, companies tend to fall short. And so what happens is, is that your values just become very generic and not frankly, very meaningful. And they're not, they don't become edit points for your, for who, who you're attracting. Um, and again, whether that's customers or employees, those values are really um, powerful edit points when they are really examined closely and when they're articulated in the form of behaviors that we want to make sure our our employees are emulating. So, um, so that's what that's an exercise that we go through with our clients to really dig in and understand what does it mean if care, if care or caring is part of your company values set. Um, how do we embody that? How do we turn that into our culture and the way that we actually behave toward people? And it's not a it's not as um, simple. I always say if your marketing department is, is you know, is who or a marketing vendor, you know, came up with these values and these positioning statements and, and your brand, um, that's great. But that's not what we need to be doing when we're thinking about this from a talent perspective. So we need to get our, um, certainly our marketing department and our HR department can should and could work together better um, when it comes to this. But um, but we need to understand that um, our core, our company values, our core values, have to really be um, examined in terms of behaviors. That that's a great point, and that that uh, makes me wonder how how do you 
I'm thinking about these, the values get painted up on walls or they get emailed around or printed on a card or whatever it might be. Right. Uh, but how do you bring something like that to life? I see a lot of companies that say they have it and, and you can tell there's, there's true, there's care and consideration. They're, they're making an effort to try to do it, but yeah. maybe they're falling short. So how, how do you bring it to life? So it's real. Yeah. Yeah. So it comes, we, well, again, I mean, um, there, there are a variety of exercises that we go through, um, with our clients, but, but generally speaking, it's about, um, doing some soul searching. Um, so we, we always start with the founder of the business, um, in most entrepreneur led businesses, um, the founder or, you know, the leader of that business uh, started that business, runs that business, operates that business from his or her own perspective and own value set. And the, um, you know, really understanding, you know, what motivates that individual, um, well, certainly what motivates them to start their business, but even more so just what, what is important to them in life that by extension becomes what becomes important to the company. And, um, and a lot of times that's just never examined. The company grows and the company evolves and it continues, you know, kind of continues to go on and be very successful without ever really having done some of that really um, internal work about, you know, why, what, what do I get out of this as a founder, as a, as a business owner, what do I get out of you know, having this business, having these customers, having these people, these employees that that work for me and alongside me, what am I deriving from that? And once we understand that psyche better, it then enables us to start understanding, okay, what is, care, again, going back to this caring, you know, value, um, you know, where, where does caring come from? Um, psychologically for that, you know, for that founder and how has that kind of infiltrated the way that, that he or she has grown the business and, and how does that manifest in what, what we see today in this business. And when we do it that way, when we start sort of at the very, um, you know, core of why this business exists, what it is that is, you know, that gets that founder up every day, we find it's not, it's, it, you know, it's not about the money. It's not about how, how fast we've grown or how many FTEs we have or, or, you know, what our bottom line looks like. There's other things in there that motivate an, an entrepreneur to, to do what they do every day. And that is always the thing that this, that is your culture. That is the thing that differentiates you because there is no other founder just like you in your industry, competing for those people, competing for those customers. So when we really get to that level of understanding about how this entity exists and why it exists, then we can start to articulate again these behaviors in terms of now we know that caring, you know, because it's important to that founder and because it's the way that the business has been built on this um, on this value of care, now we can understand, oh, care in our business means that we are show empathy and that we uh, listen more closely to each other and to our customers and that we act upon what it is that we, you know, that we hear from them. 
that might mean that might be what caring means in that particular environment. Whereas another founder and another business might say, yeah, we care, but that's about, um, you know, that's about solving problems for our customers and demonstrating to them that, you know, that their problems are important and that we, that we want to, you know, help them solve them. That's a different kind of behavior um, with different actions and different things that get rewarded and reinforced in your organization than if you're, you know, than if you're about empathy and, and, you know, being a, a listener. So little things like that, those nuances though, make all the difference. Um, we then, like I said, once we've articulated those behaviors, then you can start to reinforce for those, but you can start to hire people for those behaviors. Do, you know, for, do they have that empathy gene? Um, if that's important in our business, do they have that? And if so, we can start looking for that and all the way back to when we're, you know, recruiting and hiring, and we can certainly reward people and the, our incentives programs and things like that for demonstrating that type of care. So, um, so that's how we start to um, kind of um, instill it into our organizations, instill that culture, um, and make it um, uh, independent of um, of any one person. If we, like I said, if we take it out of the founder's head and heart and put it into uh, into specific behaviors that we want to see all of our people emulating, that's how we make it part of our culture. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, uh, one of the things that stood out to me is you have this topic, you talk about the leadership lessons that you've learned from the African bush. (laughs) And so I thought that sounded really interesting. So I'd love for you to talk about that. What are some of those lessons you learned? Sure. Well, um, just to give you a little bit of background. So when I, um, you know, way back in the day, um, I had a very successful corporate career. Um, This was my, you know, my, my first, uh, you know, my, my first couple of decades in business, I was in a corporate environment and um, was an executive in um, HR sales and operations. Those were, those were sort of my skill sets started doing um, some volunteering work on my vacation time in Africa at conservation organizations, fell in love with just that whole environment, have a passion for wildlife, have a passion for conservation. Um, And then eventually, you know, decided that I could take the skill sets that I'd learned as a corporate executive and apply those in these um, in these uh, other, you know, smaller, um, you know, founder-led environments. And it just so happened that these conservation organizations, um, you know, didn't operate, uh, you know, the way that we tend to operate for-profit organizations. They, you know, they were run by scientists and researchers and not particularly, you know, well-functioning from, from what we would consider, a, you know, a good, you know, operation um, and a good foundation. So um, I eventually quit my career and, and decided to, you know, that I'm going to start a consulting business and I'm going to start consulting these conservation organizations. And so I did that for, um, oh gosh, about 10 years. And that, um, what I could tell you in those, in that environment, I mean, it's a very, it was, it was, you know, the opposite of the corporate environment that I had grown up in and that I had had built my career in. It was, you know, it was it was across the world. It was um, in very remote um, situations. I mean, we were these were field based conservation organizations. So they were 
saving, you know, and, and, and researching and learning about various species. I, I work for a variety of organizations that had a, a different focus on, uh, you know, on predators or um, herbivores, or I, I did some work with a, a vulture, um, you know, conservation organization. So, um, but what I learned in that environment is that, I, first of all, learned a lot about resilience. Um, you know, resilience is a muscle that we build out of adversity. It's, you know, it's something that we learn um, only to, you know, we only learn to be resilient when we are faced with adversity and have to figure out how to overcome it. And that, you know, there's, there's adversity and then there's adversity. And, you know, my, in my corporate environment, um, you know, adversity was, do, you know, do we, do we have enough sweaters to fill up the table <laughs> today? You know, um, I was in a retail corporate retail world. And so, you know, so we had, you know, so, or, you know, did somebody open the store late today or, you know, those, those were our, you know, our adverse um, situations. And when, you know, when you're in, you know, in the field like that, in a situation where, you know, we might not have water today. We might, our well, uh, they call it a borehole, but our well, you know, often would run dry. And so we would have, you know, challenges figuring out, okay, how are we going to get water? We not only need it for ourselves, but, you know, but, but we need it for the animals that are are in our care at the moment. And, and uh, you know, so point being is, is that, you know, when you're in, an, in a very different environment, still trying to do the same kind of work, um, it gives you a different perspective about that work. And so one of the things, one of the lessons that I learned is what it means to be resilient and what adversity really is. And um, uh, that, you know, we were constantly, I mean, constantly there were adverse situations. It wasn't just water. It was, um, you know, we had uh, on civil or, you know, um, uh, governmental unrest, you know, in, in many of the places uh, where I was working and we had, there were times when we, you know, when we had animals that we were, again, that we were um, supposed to be um, saving or providing sanctuary to that were sick or that were, you know, that were dying and we didn't know why they were dying. And there were things that we had to do to try to figure out, you know, how to, you know, how to save them, literally save these creatures. Um, there were, you know, just a wide variety of um, circumstances where we would have to come together as a team and problem solve in the moment. And in some cases, it truly was a life or death situation. So those were lessons that um, that I truly didn't, um, uh, I think there, they were muscles that I built um, in that environment that I really had not had the, the, the genuine opportunity to build as a corporate executive. So, um, so there's that. The other big lesson too is what it really means to be a diverse um, organization and the value of having a diverse group of people working around you. And in these, again, in, in these environments in the African bush, the people that would come together for a common goal to save a species, which is, you know, what, what we were all there to do, um, we, were com we were people from all over the world. Um, many of us did not, you know, many did not speak English or we didn't speak the same language as each other. 
we uh, we these were you know people of all ages, all all um, ethnic origins, all you know from various countries, with a, a really truly diverse perspective on life. And now we were all here working together in rather challenging situations and having to come together in, you know, in, in, in a moment to, you know, to solve a particular problem. And so that was another lesson that was um, like, again, in my corporate environment, I thought, you know, I really truly understood what a diverse organization meant and what it meant to be inclusive. But in that environment, like I said, we were, we had to support each other. We had to figure out how to communicate, even though we didn't speak the same language, because again, it meant, are we going to find food? Are we going to have food in our, at our, at our facility um, for, you know, over the next week or not? So those were some of the, some of the lessons that were unique. Um, and I'm grateful for the, you know, for those opportunities, because once I came back into my, you know, from that environment and doing that kind of work and started working again, um, just back in, in North America, um, it just gave me a completely new perspective on what it means to, um, you know, to, 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 uh, overcome, uh, you know, overcome challenges. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That is fantastic. What a great experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, uh, Kim, this is a great time for us just to transition in the show where we ask every guest before they go the same four questions. And the first question is, have you had a miss or two in your career or along the way and something you learned from it? Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, yes. I mean, I've had a long, a long career. So, you know, so there's a lot of, um, you know, just a, a lot of misses. I think, you know, when I was, when I was younger, um, early on in my career, um, I, you know, I, I thought I had to have all the answers. Um, I was, you know, I was always in a leadership position, um, early on and, um, you know, I felt compelled to have the answers. That said, um, I didn't. I mean, now, you know, now looking back on that, I can realize, you know, you just don't have them. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are, how how experienced you are. We just don't, as leaders, we just don't have all the answers. And um, it's okay. I've learned now that, you know, and I wish I would have known then what I know now that, um that it's it's okay to not have the answers because when you don't, um, again, it, it opens you up to um, taking in so much more information and so much more um, perspective from those that are around you to ultimately make a better decision. And so I, I, that, that was, I think that was a very big miss for me and a life lesson that I've only learned, you know, I guess through, through the hard way, (laughs) through the school of hard knocks of, you know, oh my gosh, don't try to have all the answers. I mean, it's totally okay. And in fact, it's perfectly good and healthy for you and for your organization to say, man, I don't know about this one. I need to go get some help or I need to go get, you know, go get some new perspectives on this. It's, this is just something I haven't seen before. Um, so I wish I would have, you know, that, that, that was, I think a big miss in my early career. And, um, I think the other thing about that is, is that for a woman in particular, 
Um, I will say, I think we all suffer, not, not just women, but I think all of us tend to, again, when we're in leadership positions and when we have our own businesses, we tend to sometimes suffer from imposter syndrome. And when you think that, again, that it's, it, there's an expectation that you're going to know everything and have all the answers, it sort of, it sort of, um, bill sort of, I don't know, uh, incubates <laughs> that imposter syndrome. And so that's another thing, again, that I, that I've learned over the years is, is that, um, you know, it's again, perfectly okay to not know everything. And in fact, it's a good thing <laughs> to, to just, to realize what your own limitations are. It'll, it'll enable you to, to grow much beyond and grow your business much, much more so than if you feel it, it's that you got to know it all. Yeah. Yeah, and I definitely understand that that whole concept of the imposter syndrome. You get your first promotion, your first yeah. real uh, leadership role. I mean, I, I recall the same kind of thing. Thinking, "Wow, okay, I'm I'm in charge now. Uh, really, uh, <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, I know that I'm qualified, but I, I I think that I am at least. Someone else at least thinks I am. So, right. I guess I okay. What, right. what are we doing here? All right. Yeah. We're going to give this a shot. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. well, great. Well, well, let's talk about uh, a make or two. You, you've shared some different things you've already accomplished over the years, but I'd love for you to talk about maybe one that another one that stands out to you. Yeah. Um, you know, I am really, um, I, I'm, I guess what I would say is that, you know, I'm pr- certainly, you know, I, I'm a, I am an accomplished person, right? I mean, I, by all, 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 probably all measures or most measures, you know, I've accomplished a lot. I've done, had some interesting career paths, um, you know, that I've, um, that I've got, had the privilege of being able to pursue. Um, So those are all great, but I think probably the thing that I'm most proud of is just the, um, you know, again, what I've learned over the years is how to be, um, how to be humble. Um, that is a, um, a, and how to be at peace with that, you know, how to, how to, how to be strong, but, um, vulnerable at the same time. And that is a, um, uh, a combination that has, has, uh, taken me a long time to get to, um, so, you know, all the accomplishments, all the achievements in the world, you know, and, and all the awards on my wall and all the money in the bank and all that doesn't really um, matter in the end if you aren't at peace with who you are and um, and how you show up for people. So I think that's truly my biggest achievement. Um, and, it, and to be honest, it's taken me a while to get there. Um, you know, we go through cycles in our careers where, uh, where we, you know, we sort of believe that we're, you know, that we're meant to do a particular thing or that we must, um, you know, we have to, make a certain amount of money or we have to accomplish a certain, our company has to get to a certain size or whatever. Um, and, um, with, and we kind of go there and go to, down that path without, again, truly understanding, you know, what we're going to get when we get there, what is, what is going to, you know, once we get there and we achieve this great thing, what does that leave us with? And, um, and so, 
that is probably my biggest accomplishment truly is to get to a point in my life where I realize that it's, it's that life is really, it's about more than that. And in many ways, it's, it's not about that. It's about, um, be, like I said, being at peace with who you are and what it is that you can contribute to, um, you know, to those that are around you. So, um, I'm more proud of the people that I've impacted and the people that my clients have impacted and what they've done. And I, and I'm super proud of the fact I don't get any credit for that. What, you know, I mean, I'm, I work all behind the scenes and I'm very proud of that. And, um, and that is what gives me joy. But it's, like I said, it's taken me a long time to get there. So. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And um, well, let's talk about a multiplier that you've used to grow yourself, your business, your career. Uh, Is there a multiplier that stands out? Yeah. um, Again, for me, it's the people, Um, you know, that absolutely. I mean, I myself, I'm a limited quantity. Um, I, you know, I cannot, um, when I was just consulting on my own, I could not um, you know, work more than whatever, 70 hours a week. It's, you know, I mean, there's only so much of yourself that you can give. And so I made a very conscious decision. I wanted to be able to impact, you know, more. I wanted to have more impact than what I could just do just on my own. So that's when I made the decision to start a business and have other consultants work for me that could work in the same way. And I could show them how I work and how I want them to work um, and build my whole business around that. So for me, multiplier is all about get you know surrounding yourself with people who can do things um, you know better than you can do them, or can um, that are that are um, uh, uh, aligned again with your with your values, and that can um, you know that can do the work that you you know that you're already doing. So for me, that multiplier is um, is surrounding myself with really amazing people that can you know, that can help, help me ultimately have more impact in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the final question we like to ask every guest is what does success mean to you? Yeah. So I kind of already mentioned that, I guess, but it's, it's, it's being um, at peace um, with, again, what it is that I'm doing every day, what it is that I'm contributing. Um, success to me is about impact. Are, am, I, am I making a positive difference in the lives of my clients and in their clients' lives? Um, you know, it sort of pay, pays it forward. So um, that's it, success for me is all about impact. Um, if it, if what I do every day really makes a positive difference in, in the lives of my clients, I have, I've, you know, I've made it. That's all I need. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, Kim, this has been a fantastic interview. And as we draw to a close here, is there anything you were maybe hoping to share or get across that you haven't had a chance to yet? Um, no, I think, again, I mean, I think the only thing is, um, you know, is that, um, that soul searching, um, you know, that in being introspective about who we are as leaders and, you know, what it is that motivates us um, each day and why we, you know, why we do what we do. I think when we can all, you know, kind of look at, at ourselves and really look deep inside about, you know, what it is that we're here to do and how we contribute 
is ultimately how we can be, you know, optimally successful for for ourselves and for others. Kim, thank you so much again for a fantastic interview. And let's go ahead and jump into today's three key takeaways. So today's takeaways are all focused around the lessons she learned while in the African bush. So number one, she talked about learning about resilience and what adversity actually truly is. And she shared a story about, for example, not having any water or dying animals or sick animals that they're trying to to save or preserve and rescue while they're there. So, And she learned about that actual adversity. Takeaway number two is this idea of collaboration and working together. And I thought that was great. You have these people that are coming together from all over the world, many of which English is not their first language. And so they're all trying to communicate, live together, and all serve a common purpose. Takeaway number three is the concept of this true mission or having that common purpose to uh, uh, gather around and to rally around. And uh, Kim had mentioned this early on when she was talking about culture and founders having those values. And really what I took out of her time when she was living and working in Africa is that when you have this group of people literally in the middle of nowhere, it's it's a near survival situation, they all have to rally around something to be there because those conditions, if you had another choice, you probably would prefer to be living somewhere else. You know, For example, North America somewhere, um, where she's from. So uh, having that common purpose to compel people to make a move out of their regular normal life and comfort zone to go serve and give for something, that's powerful, and I think that's a great, great leadership lesson to take away from it. And now it's time for today's win-win. So today's win-win is when Kim talked about learning how to be humble and to be at peace with it. And she phrased it another way throughout the interview, too, where she said, learn how to be strong and vulnerable at the same time. And she shared when she was younger, she thought she had to have all the answers. I don't know about you, but I can relate with that one. Uh, and and she's learned that it's okay to not have all the answers. And, and in fact, it's better if you don't. So I think that's a great win-win for you as the leader of your organization to be at peace with being humble and not having all the answers and working collaboratively with your team to solve that together. That'll be a win for you and your team and for those customers, clients, people, communities that you serve. And so that's the episode today, folks. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast and give us a review. And remember, if you or anyone you know might be ready to franchise their business or take their franchise company to the next level, please connect with us at BigSkyFranchiseTeam.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to having you back next week.